Hello and welcome to another episode of You Haven't Seen That, the podcast where we watch films that I, Eric, missed in my childhood. Um, I'm joined as always by my co-host, Chris. Hey everybody! And Chris, what have we got this time? Uh, we got a bit of a fun one this week. Uh, delving into a kids' movie, we have Chris Columbus's 1990 film Home Alone. When the McAllister family left on their Christmas vacation, they forgot one small thing. Police in the northern suburbs are on the lookout for a pair of burglars who are calling themselves the Wet Bandits. This is my house. I have to defend it. Yesterday, he was just a kid. But tonight, he's a home security system. You guys give up or you're thirsty for more? From John Hughes, a family comedy without the family. Home Alone. It's pretty amazing I haven't seen it. Like it was it's one a, of the, That's a big one. Yeah, it is. Like, right. it's... it's Really, one of the biggest reasons this podcast exists. Yeah. This and, like, um, yeah, a couple of those. I like, mean, Die Hard. Die Hard you know, the, the, a lot of the ones we've already done. Yeah, we've knocked off a couple of the real major ones. But yeah. this just crept past. In, in terms of being a kid born in the 80s, how did you not see this? Like I said, like, my, my family weren't really, like... We didn't go to the movies heaps anyway, mm. so we wouldn't hit that many new releases. Um, and I don't know, like... Just, just skip. It was on TV enough as well. That's, that's what thing. I mean. That's yeah, why like, I'm surprised that it I mean, just hasn't. I've, I've seen bits. Like I, I can, like as as our good friend Sim says, it has one of the best movie screams of all time. No, I would dare say the, the best. best. <laughs> yeah, it beats the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty impressive because that's in everything. Yeah, but um, it's just so good, and you, you'll see when we get to it. I, I can picture it: the yeah. tarantula landing on his face. Yeah, um, and <laughs> I yeah, but Macaulay Culkin was like Macaulay Culkin films are everywhere. Yeah, in, it, for our childhood, it was like yeah. Well, you've got like the you know Uncle Buck, Home Alone's, uh, Getting Even with Dad with Ted yeah, Danson. That's right. <laughs> Wait, uh, have you seen that? No, no. Oh, okay, that's on the list. Yeah. Richie Rich is on the list as well I mean yeah. a lot of these films I have seen like half of quite yeah. a few times and that's where I think Home Alone like I, I can picture enough of it him at home like cooking himself up a Christmas dinner or whatever and mm. family leaving him behind And well I guess that, that's a good way to segue into uh, so obviously you it's a pretty self-explanatory from the title but yeah, uh, what, what, are you, what are you expecting from this well, one? well from what I can remember it gets you know families going on a Christmas holiday and they're a big-ish family and he just gets left behind. Um, and I sort of remember introductory scenes where everyone's just like talking over him, ignoring him, and he just gets left behind. And then there's a bit of him in like, from memory, New York at Christmas time, getting, getting ready. And then burglars come and scope the joint out and basically try and burgle the joint while nobody's home. And he just tower defenses that up. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> he rigs up his traps and lets them go. Yeah. Um, I, I just. Can, so it's Joe Pesci and um, Daniel Stern. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I just can picture them getting like hit in the face with hot irons and just stuff that would kill yeah. normal people. Like there's just so many. Um, yeah. Just yeah. So no, I'm very excited because I think I I know enough of it, but it's gonna be great to finally piece it all together. Yeah. Get yeah. those little random bits of the jigsaw and see the whole picture now. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. And then um, obviously it's just big, big enough gaps. And how many sequels were there too? Uh, I think well, there's one with Macaulay, like with Colkin and Pesci and Stone, and like the, yep. that follows the, the same kind of storyline. And then the 
I think there's probably a three or four, like a number. Th- I know for sure there's number three, and uh, which I think is the kid from Liar Liar. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I couldn't. I, I'm not that well no. enough to know his name. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, and then uh, there might be a fourth. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, I only know about the third because one of the burglars in that is French Stewart, who was um, Harry from Third Rock and the Sun, like the weirder guy. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> Good bit of trivia there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm just expecting a, a great kids' film that I just missed along the way. Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting to see how much I enjoyed as an adult. Yeah, that's, I'm intrigued I mean, to see you know, that as well. It's not, I'm not the target audience, but yeah. the, um, <laughs> the nostalgia and things like that would be interesting to see how I... Hmm. Yeah, so oh, let's uh, jump into it then, shall we? Oh, actually, before we oh. do, what was your memories of it? I didn't oh, even yeah, ask no, we should. I was uh, just too busy focused on me. Yeah, um, you would have seen it quite a lot of times. Oh yeah, I I saw this one in the cinema actually yep. when I was like, this probably would have been one of my first cinema experiences. Probably have to be pretty close to. Yeah, because yeah. I would have been about because I think like it came out Christmas time of ninety, yeah. so we got it here in Australia in ninety one, like early ninety one. Yep. So, um, yeah, so I remember seeing it in the cinema and we had it on VHS kind of taped off TV Yep. and yeah, it was a regular rotation kind of one. So I've seen it probably at least 20 times, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. But but weirdly enough, it's not one that I'm crazy nostalgic for. No. I don't, I don't hold it in high regard as everyone else of our generation seems to. I think it has its moments, but I'm not... Yeah, I mean, I no, guess, but I, I haven't seen it in ages, so I could be totally wrong. No, no, it's just one that it's just it's such a classic of its time. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I've never really quizzed my friends. <laughs> I don't know any who'll be like that was the best movie of my childhood. I've never met anyone who who claims that. Mm. Well, I was recording an episode of my other podcast last night with um, our friends Tom and uh, we had Toby on as a guest, another friend of yeah. ours, and I said that we were doing this one today and. They were just like, oh, great, you're going to have so, so much fun. It's such a great movie. And I'm like, is it, though? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm intrigued for myself to see how it kind of holds up. Yeah, so if you, you're like, actually, no, it really is. It's very just enjoyable. Yeah. All right, well, that'll be good to find out. Mm. Well, uh, let's jump into it, then. Let's do it. So that was Home Alone. That was heaps of fun. Yeah, it, it's kind of great. I, the boys are right. Yeah, I, I rescind all previous <laughs> yeah, statements yeah. of it being... No, it held up. Yeah, like it, it... For you, obviously. And, it did uh, hold up, yeah. And for me, I'm, I just had a great time. It's it's one of those very sweet and charming kids' films where yeah. you just can't help but get swept up in it. Yeah, like, potentially you could... You, you know, you might worry going like, oh, Macaulay Culkin might be a bit grating. And there are sort of elements of that maybe, but it didn't really bother me at all. Mm. You know, there's, I know there's going to be slapstick stuff in a way, but it didn't flood it. No, um, and it's, for the most part, it's a predominantly silent performance, really. He's yeah. got no one to Bounce interact up. or talk with. So he's he's doing a really great job of conveying his emotions and everything just purely his, physically. Yep, his day-to-day actions. And mm. then there's a couple of... Um, you know, key things in there like being afraid of the basement that show character progression. Yeah. And they show, they don't tell. That's what's interesting, I and I think I totally forgot about with this film is there is a distinct arc yes. for Kevin McAllister. Yeah. <laughs> I think like his 
you know, all you think about with this film is... A booby-trapped house. Yeah, which is literally the last 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah. It's not... That's like... It's not much of it. <laughs> it just provides a, a climax, like a reason to worry about mum getting home in time beyond him missing his family and give it a bit more mm. sort of balkened... I mean, you could just have him home alone and growing as a character until his parents come home, but that'd yeah. be kind of boring. <laughs> but you need that additional threat thrown in there, and so that yeah. actually works quite well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So... And it gives you a couple of extra colourful characters as well. Um, Dare I say the best characters of the film? <laughs> With Harry and Mark. Oh, they're, yeah, they're hilarious. <laughs> oh. mm. But, um, I mean, we should probably start... Like, I reckon yeah. the way to do this one is probably work our way linear kind of through the so. film. Yeah. like Because it's not necessarily... A lot happens, <laughs> really. So. No, no. Mm. I think linear is a good call. Yeah. You, you start the film with a cop in the house for no particular reason. <laughs> yeah, that, I loved how that baffled you. I you so confused. You've got Joe Pesci as Harry dressed <laughs> as, you know, in costume as a cop. He's obviously going around scoping out all the houses yep. to find out what's happening, which one's going to be vacant. And it's a pretty good plan, actually. It's a great plan. Yeah. And I'm like, that's Joe Pesci. He's the bad guy. Yeah. Good thing, but I'm just, you kept, like, who let him in? He's just standing there. None of the kids are paying him attention. Yeah. Clearly all the adults are elsewhere, because that's all he wanted to talk to as an adult. Um, the door's closed anyway. Yeah. <laughs> He's just standing Did there. Did he just waltz on in himself and just, be like, hello, you're a neighbourhood cop here? I'm just your friendly beat cop. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which I think he did. Yeah. He just let himself in. Yeah. Kind of like the pizza guy. No, he let the pizza guy in. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's right. Mm. So, um, yeah, so you open up on that, and, I mean, perfectly, you get... You're introduced to Pesci, and then you get his little cheesy gold tooth grin. Yeah, which makes, which is like the signifier for him being a remembered character for Kevin Later. Exactly, and then you get all the family all over the shop, and there's just people everywhere. And then you realise there's two families in the house. And yeah, yeah, okay. And it kind of works having the absolute chaos of yes. the extended family all being there, uh, kind of twofold in the sense of establishing Kevin as a. Easily forgotten kid. Yep, because there's so many of them. There's so many he can easily get lost in the kind of fray of what's yep. happening, and it also it works as a great contrast to uh, the kind of calmness that he then has with the empty house once everyone's yes. gone. Yep, a lot of noise, mm. um, and yeah, like you were saying early on, like they put a lot of detail or attention into the plausibility of him being left behind. Yeah, apparently, like, in the scripting phase, John Hughes was really, really worried about the fact that it's not... Like, you need to buy the conceit, otherwise the film completely fails. Yes. So he went out of his way to try and set up every little possible detail for it to work, down to the extent of why they're late, you know, the phone line's not working, the passport getting thrown away by accident with the napkins yeah. after Kevin spills and causes a chaos yes. during dinner. And, and that's it. He, he squished it into a scene that also caused Kevin to be isolated. Yes. So he used his time really efficiently. Yeah. He didn't go, here's a scene where this happens, and now this is going to happen. It all just merged in, and so you got all this set up in not much time. But it yeah. was really clear. You knew where Kevin stood. Um, you met Uncle Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Look what you did, you little jerk. The best character in the oh, movie. Wow. Like I was saying, he's just like Cousin Eddie. Yeah, different, yeah. A different version. It's that thing of, you got the sense as well, like you were saying watching the film, that you got a bit of a weird science vibe in certain points. Because mm. we, like, like I just mentioned, this is a John Hughes production. Yep. He wrote and produced this film. This was yep. kind of in the... Uh, he kind of stopped directing at this point. 
his previous film, like, I think he directed Curly Sue the same year, yep. but this was like a year after Uncle Buck, which yep. is where he'd met Macaulay Culkin, actually, yes. yeah. kind of directing him there, and he then wrote this role for him, but this is now where John Hughes is kind of stepping aside from actually being a filmmaker, and he's just concentrating on producing and writing stuff, yep. and yeah, so it definitely has those similar Hughesian vibes, I would guess. Yeah, like... Okay, so. We'll talk about it more, but even just, like, the character arc was really well just paced and set out, and you didn't dwell on it, but you kind of just picked it up as the movie progressed. It was just well put together, and... It's not in your face, really. It's just very subtly laid out, and it's there if you want it, and if otherwise... Like, you could very easily watch this film and be like, cool, that was just a fun little adventure. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, but... If you actually look for it, like, Kevin grows as a character. And he never has a scene where he's, like, sobbing and crying and missing his family. He just, you know, he has the scene with the photo in the bed where mm. he's like, he's like, I miss you guys kind of thing. Yeah. But it's not like a drawn out. He doesn't have a breakdown or anything like that. It's just there's enough of it. And then he goes to the church by himself and he meets the creepy neighbor who's not creepy. Yeah, which I totally forgot about that stuff. Mm. I, I remembered... Um, him being like old man Marley, I think is the character's name. Yeah, which is like a nice subtle Christmas reference. Because uh, Marley Brothers for uh, Christmas Carol. I see. It's been a long time yeah. since I saw. That's Ebenezer Scrooge's yeah. old, but yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, he. I totally. I remembered him being in there as like the makeshift threat. Yes. Uh, it was like you know the neighborhood creepy guy or whatever. Yeah, the, the cult, uh, the um, urban legend. Yeah. Like, yeah. Who is he? You ever heard of South Bend Shovel Slayer? No. That's him. Back in 58, murdered his whole family and half the people on his block. With the snow shovel. Been hiding out in this neighborhood ever since. But I totally forgot about that scene where he meets him in the church and tells him his story. And it's really good. Yeah. Like, I, I was sitting there thinking, like, oh god, I'm actually, like, really enthralled by what's happening right now yeah. like it's it could have so easily been like a ugh okay it could have yeah if it was done and it was yeah it could have got very close to that and definitely I think it's because I, I could be wrong here but I think it's scoreless and it's just letting it play out Coral's still singing I think in the, in the background like this diegetic music yeah. in the background but it's not like if you had the John Williams strings to be like hey you're supposed to this feel emotion ready now. to cry yeah, yeah but it's just let Subtly play on uh, Robert Bres- uh, Robert Blossom's performance, yeah. Yeah, because um, when he emerges from the church after that, that's when that sweet synthy music starts kicking in. Oh, yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> Why has John Williams not used electric drums more? Let's be honest, it wasn't great. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it's like, that's so bad, it's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, sweet. Mm. But it definitely wasn't good. Um, I kept teasing throughout the film, because I was very intrigued who... Uh, Old Man Marley. Old Man Marley was. Uh, it's an actor called uh, Robert Blossom, and I was IMDb-ing him while we were watching mm. and let out an audible, oh! Yes. <laughs> so I've kind of been teasing Eric. Uh, so he's a character actor that's been around for forever. He, um, obviously, based on his age, thinks he's no longer with us. Definitely not makeup only. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I kind of vaguely recognize him from his uh, doc in Escape from Alcatraz. He's one of the three guys that escapes... Two other guys that escapes with Clint Eastwood. Yeah, and because the other the third character was on the phones. 
Harry on the phones. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, Larry Hawkins, yeah. yeah. Jesus. All you needed was Clint Eastwood and you got all three of them. Yeah, that's right. I didn't even twig on that. Yeah. But, anyway. He's been in another film we've watched. What? Has he? He, that's where, that was where I let out the audible, oh my God. He's in Close Encounters. You know when Barry goes out running after the lights? Yeah. And he comes up onto the corner of the road and there's all the people there. It's and the there's family. the creepy farmer who gives him a wink while whistling. What? <laughs> and then later he's in like the giant boardroom scene and stands up and he's like, I saw Bigfoot once. I saw Bigfoot once. 1951. Back in Sequoia National Park. Had a foot on her. 37 inches. Is he that guy? He's that guy. <laughs> yeah, he's credited as farmer. But as soon as I like saw that, I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> that, yeah, that's that, who he is. That's been huge for you. Yeah. Um, well, there you go. Hmm. But I think yeah, <laughs> getting it back onto track. He's also played a farmer. Yeah, he's and he's great in this film, I think. And it's, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, it, like I was saying, him being kind of forgettable, like all that arc being something mm. that drops by the wayside. There's a lot of that for this film. Like we were saying initially, you mainly think of this film as the last 20 minutes of yes, Harry right. and Marv trying to get into the house. Yeah. But it is just very nice set- setup and building of Kevin learning to grow up, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, like, it has the appeal for, like, when he when he's first at home and he's, he's like, my family are gone. And it has all the images of his, his siblings all just like mocking him and calling him a jerk and a disease and stuff. It's great because they are lines that were said in the yes. previous scene, but they're heightened and o- yes. over-exaggerated. Exactly. They're just sort of reused and a bit out of context, I guess. Um, even though I do think they're being pretty cool earlier. That, that's a very Hughesian yeah. reference, like, point there, I think. So. Um, but then he's like... Then he's like, my family are gone. Awesome. Kicking montage. Yeah, and he's like eating ice cream on the couch, watching films he's not meant to watch. Yeah. Which he goes on and uses, of course. Yep. No, uh, no scenes wasted. A great trivia thing. Angels with Filthy Souls is the name of that film. It's a, a fake movie made for this uh, film. Okay. So. Yeah. Well, per- yeah, perfect audio and stuff for it. Yeah. Um, and even like all that, he goes into he all that stuff, he shows you the house. So sets up the house. So you as a watcher as a viewer know the setup of the house mm. and when, the th- when it eventually comes down to the climax he's going to all these places you recognise you know the layout of mm. the f- of you know the battlefield yeah <laughs> basically just... and everything's set up nicely like when he's rummaging through Buzz's room he gets you know the BB gun and yeah. finds you know the firecrackers yes <laughs> and he he, knock, he breaks the shelves and the tarantula gets let loose and yep. you just see him walking everywhere yeah so it's... then you could also be anywhere so it comes out at the perfect time mm. to generate the world, the movie, world, best scream in cinema history, in your opinion. Yeah, damn straight it is. <laughs> it really is wonderful. Yeah, it's, but he, he nails it. On that note, can we talk about screams for a sec? Yes, we can. Um, Macaulay screams once, doesn't he? Once. <laughs> oh, we were counting. Good oh. lord! It's 
it's so many times at, that I, you know, granted they ended up using it on the poster. Yeah, like it is the image to go with the film. I, I, I I'm curious. I, it has to be like he did that in one take, and they were like, "That's gold, Jerry. We're yes, gonna use that yes. again. Do that in every scene, kid, and you'll be a star. Yeah, this will go places. Yeah. Um, I had no issue with his scream, mm. but um, you could always see when it was going to be brought out again. Yeah. So, how do you think he went as a performer? Yeah, good question. Um, as a, I mean, as a child actor in that kind of film, I think he was all over it. Um, you know, like, I didn't find him... As an adult watching it, I didn't find him grating. And mm-hmm. I think as a kid watching it, I would I would have... I think we all more or less liked Macaulay. Yeah. Over that age. Um, and... Yeah, like he like just scenes like when he's a great one actually is in the mirror when he's like combing his hair back and singing or talking to himself and putting on his deodorant and then putting on aftershave and screaming a couple of times. Yeah, like those scenes, he just like you know he's just talking to himself in the mirror. Like he's got that little he's mugging for the camera, yeah. like, similar to a kid would do. Yes, so. it's perfect. They just let him loose. Like like we were joking, they just like gave him lied and so they gave him Diet Coke before each scene. And <laughs> yeah. Like, Let's give him the real stuff. And he's just like bouncing around on sugar in some of the scenes. And then he's also really measured in other ones. Like, yeah, he, he actually nails some of those quieter moments. Yeah, like the scene with um, Santa Claus. Mm. Sort of Santa Claus. The scene with Old Man Marley in the church. Yeah. And then the scene where he goes grocery shopping and it's like he's like mugging again but in like a totally different way. Are those microwave dinners any good? I don't know. I'll give him a whirl. Yeah, he's, he's kind of having fun with the situation, realising the absurdity of it. And, yes. kind of... and just like the time, the comedic time, he's quite good. He's like, oh wait, I have a coupon for that. Yeah. I got it out of the paper this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he does a really great job. For a ten-year-old, it's it's really solid. Yeah. And yeah, because you summed it up perfectly. The majority of kids' films, with, you know, films with a child protagonist... Mm. You have to be so careful to not go beyond and make it grating that yeah. performance, or like it, it's otherwise you, you're going to potentially lose a lot of audience. Um, so to get one that can bridge bridge gaps, yeah, to transcend not just a kid audience, but actually mm. engage the adults as well and have them on board for what's happening is commendable, in, both in terms of casting and the performance. Performance, yeah, you can see why he kept getting put in things. Yeah, like how many kid actors got leads in multiple films yeah before people got sick of them yeah pr- uh, see I was gonna throw out like Elijah Wood maybe but then I'm like no he never really no. was the like not, not not in the way Macaulay was yeah with the exception of maybe like North he's staring at me very blankly yeah, so that's, that's going like, on the list yeah <laughs> see that's the thing like yeah. At least not not that made it big in Australia mm. um, oh Radio Flyer like he's got a few like yeah yeah but yeah no one was be- there's no other kid actor really like of, of the modern age. I know there are ones like you know Shirley Temple and Judy yes, Garland yes, and stuff. Yes, <laughs> but like for our generation, he, he's solo building yeah. this basically. Like he's, like not even Haley Joel Osment went on to like there was no, glimpses that he true. might go on to do that, but then he just was like, no, I'm going to high school. I want to be a person. Yeah, I want. I want to learn. Yeah, and now yeah. he's come back as a. I, I really like him as an actor currently. Yeah, I haven't seen him do anything as an adult, but I've heard heard some things. He's really great on, on Silicon Valley. He has a little bit of an arc there. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, I've got to catch up on that. <laughs> and he's in Tusk, the Kevin Smith Walrus oh, movie. Oh, you did tell me about that, yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, Macaulay does... Like, yeah, he... 
it's warranted his success after yes. this film. Yeah. You can see why that ended up happening. Yeah, and why he wasn't just in one or two and then had a failure. Like, yeah. he had several. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it was he himself decided to take a step back and then, you know, kind of quit acting and whatever. Yeah. So. Hmm. Um, I guess on the... Talking about actors and stuff, we better talk about Marv and... Um, I was kind of Harry. saving to yeah. shift... Like, we do Mac and then shift into yeah. give these let's, guys let's their due process. Let's go those guys now, I think. Um, they're good, because they're not too goofy early on. Yeah. Obviously, in the, the slapsticky stuff, they, they just go for it. Mm. And you kind of have to. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting. Apparently, while shooting, um, Pesci and Daniel Stern both didn't really think the film would do well, and they didn't really think yeah. it was... They thought it was just going to be some schlocky kids movie. Yeah. And so that caused them to be like, they kind of had a talk and were like, let's just ham it up. And they yep. like push their performances even further. Yep. And it works. <laughs> they like, you know, they ham it up and they're a bit goofy, but they could have gone a lot further in that direction. They could have gone terrible. full Looney Tunes with yeah, it. And but... it could have been dreadful. Um, mm. but at least with a lot of the early stuff when they were, um, you know, clearing out that other house and stuff and, you know, just with crowbars pulling stuff off shelves. Like, yeah. it was a bit just sort of, like, silly. But at the same time, their actual interactions with each other were quiet. They weren't too caricaturish or anything no. like that. You know, you're one of the great cat burglars in the world, Mark. You think you could keep it down a little in there, huh? But also, the, like, earliest, like, that scene of them clearing out the other house and doing such a poor job of it. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Adds, it kind of helps add to that believability of yes. the film because it sets up these guys as they're kind of just morons. Yeah, they're not like they're, you, they're, they're, their plan is a good one. Yeah, but their execution is execution is poor to to terrible. You don't just like if you're robbing a house, you don't just open a sack and then smash everything in with a crowbar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're breaking your booty yeah. at that point. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's very true. Actually, you just immediately just knew what they were like. Yeah, and they weren't like super. Amazing, um, yeah, cat burglars or whatever. No. They're just organized guys in terms of timing and things like that. And based on their interactions, and everything you can believe that they would be outsmarted by an eight year old. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, mm. but it's it's such a weird pairing, I think, because Joe Pesci mm. is so synonymous with his work with Scorsese. Yeah, that's all I know him from, really. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, I don't think... He's done a few other weird comedic things. Uh, like, uh, My Cousin Vinny and some stuff uh, yeah, like that. Right. Like, yeah. Um, but nothing kind of as broad as this, I would guess. And, yeah, he is... And I suppose you could say Lethal Weapon. He's kind of comedic of course, in that. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, I always forget about Leo... Leo Getz. <laughs> in those films. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's me, Leo Getz. Whatever you need, Leo Getz. You get it? <laughs> I use that all the time to break the ice when I meet people. You know, it's good. But he he comes across... I think it's a really great move by casting him because mm. he's commonly a threat in films. Oh, yeah. Like a scare... Like Tommy in Goodfellas. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. And even even worse, I'm um, in Casino. Oh, he's just a nutcase. Yeah. yeah. And so by putting him in New York, that this kind of sinister role mm. as this burglar... You immediately establish threat. Yeah. And then the kind of counterpoint by adding Daniel Stern and bringing in this kind of lanky yeah. kind of character actor adds this like, okay, so maybe it's not quite yeah. as sinister. Like softens the Pesci a little bit yes. and allows yeah. him to bounce off. And yeah, and they bounce off quite well. Hmm. It's, yeah, Daniel Stern, like around this time he would have been 
like, yeah, he was most famous probably for being the voice in the Wonder Years, that That's Fred Savage TV show. Like, like, what else had he been in? I, he, I don't know him from that much. Like, like early him. on, I know him from, um, he's in one of the best teenage movies ever, Breaking Away. Uh, okay. From 1979, it's a wonderful, wonderful movie. All right. um, might have to go on the list. <laughs> yeah, they learned it this uh, time. So, breaking away, and um, he's in the Chud. <laughs> Is he? He's in Chud. I have seen, randomly with I have the same Chud. Everybody with <laughs> Kevin's dad, John Hurd, is also in Chud. <laughs> That word movie was not what I expected. It's not great. No, but it's, it's fun. Well, I didn't expect it to be great. No. But I, it's R-rated. I expect it to be pretty full on. No. It's like seven, It's like early 80s R-rated. Yeah. So. Disappointing. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, no, he I was just... I recommend Chud. <laughs> Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dwellers. Yeah, for those it. who want to know the acronym. Yeah. Get on board. Um, but yeah, no, he was just an interesting kind of smaller character actor. And yeah. this was... Probably, I mean, other than The Wonder Years was a huge show yes, and he was yeah, the narrator yeah. of that, so. Yeah. But this is really kind of the first massive movie he was in. Yes. They kind of. Yeah. And then post this, obviously, went on to, you know, City Slickers and all the rest of his yeah. career and things, so. Yeah, but they're just so good together. Yeah. Marth! Harry? Why the hell did you take your shoes off? Why the hell are you dressed like a chicken? They're. Clearly having the time of their lives yeah. reacting to the injuries. Yeah, so we better talk about that. Yes. <laughs> we, um, we made a... Like, as that scene, like, hang on, quick, let's make a list. Yeah, so I, I created a... Quickly did a running tally of all the injuries that uh, Harry and Marv sustained throughout the yeah, film. Yeah, we wanted to see who gets more hurt, at least in a numerical sense. Yeah. And, um... <laughs> in terms of actual inju- amount of injury sustained, uh, Harry actually wins on that one. So Joe Pesci takes it out. He does, yeah. Which I think I yeah. found shocking. You always pictured Marv getting more beaten up. Yeah, I, I think that's more because Daniel Stern gives a better scream and performance and physicality to his injuries. And some of his are pretty nasty, like the nail in the foot. Oh no, the iron to the face down the laundry yeah. chute. <laughs> I think. Um, I mean. I guess you could go through and, like, apply numerical values to each, like, level of pain <laughs> comes out on top. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like, in terms of the BB gun, shot in the groin versus shot in the... right between the eyes, I don't know, they're both pretty bad. Yeah. And, like, I think the face is worse because the groin, he... It's winter, he has coats on and yeah, stuff. Yeah, he's got a bit like... of padding. Um... One of the most brutal ones was the second time Harry fell down the stairs and, like, landed on his neck and head. <laughs> like, falls backwards down the stairs. So he basically just falls. Yeah. Um, and then there's just things like, you know, his head gets set on fire. They both got paint cans to the face. And they yeah. look like full paint cans. Yeah. Um, and actually, one of the worst was um, when Marv tries to hit the tarantula. Oh, yeah. And he full-on crowbars and he's directly in the sternum. What are you doing, Marv? <laughs> Marv, what are you doing? Come on. Right. Oh, God. It's so, and it's such a hard hit. He definitely broke something. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's just... And to the, they all react to the hits pretty well. Like, yeah, they... It's a bit like... The fall on the back ones are very much like wrestling moves. They're, they're clever falls. Yeah. Like, stuntmen know what they're doing, and it, it matches the goofiness. You don't want to make it too real. But it's so... Like, the stunts are so perfectly played with the actual... Like, the cuts to the reaction by the actors. Yes. Like, when Pesci 
does his first slip off the front stairs and lands directly on his back. Yeah. It cuts to that wonderful mid shot on him and just like struggling to breathe. <laughs> like just he's had the wind just yeah, taken it, out of him. It holds on for a while. I think he just goes. Yeah, it's so perfect, and it just enhances the comedy because, yeah. like, there's obviously famously a bunch of um, YouTube videos and stuff. There's a this being recut, a trailer's being recut of this is a horror movie. Yes, yes. <laughs> and there's a great urban legend going around that uh, this is actually a prequel to Saw. <laughs> that Kevin McAllister grew up to become Jigsaw, the Jigsaw Killer, oh, like building these elaborate traps to kill people. Oh wow, I, I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. And I also got to bring it up, John Candy again. I like, I like me. My wife likes me. My customers like me. Cause I'm the real article. What you see is what you get. When she's in the airport and she's trying to find another connecting flight or something, I'm just in the background, like out of focus. Out of focus. I'm like. Is that John Candy? I turn over to you and you were just giggling to yourself. Yep. So excited. Yeah, like we've realised we have such a common theme for this podcast now. We should just rename this the Paxton and Candy Hour. Yes. Oh, I'm just like learning so much about those two. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously he he's in this film uh, because, you know, having been in a bunch of John Hughes productions before, being mm. very familiar with him. But it also turns out the director, Chris Columbus, after... He managed to cast Macaulay Cul- like getting Macaulay Culkin cast and then yeah. getting Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern, like two relatively big actors at that time, like yeah. in these roles. That freed him up to be able to fill out smaller roles with interesting character actors like John Candy and Catherine O'Hara as yeah. uh, the mother, John Hurt as the father. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Catherine, she did a good job. Like, you know, she doesn't get a lot of screen time. Mm. But, um,. Yeah, you can see, like you told me, so she was on SCTV as well. Yeah, SCTV with uh, John Candy, uh, Second City TV, uh, pretty much the Canadian version of Saturday Night Live. Yeah, and uh, you, could, you could see that in when John Candy's first telling his story about his band and it just keeps going on and on. All of their scenes together were completely improvised. Yeah, and there you, were no they, like, they, like they felt very natural. And they, because they had had such a good history together and had been such great friends, they were able to play and bounce off each other. <laughs> Perfectly in the scene, Isn't but that loved all these different pokers, poker songs, and stuff like that. Allow me to introduce myself: Gus Polinski, Polka King of the Midwest, the, the Kenosha Kickers. No, that's okay. I thought you might have recognized. Anyways, um, I had a few hits a few years ago. Uh, that's why I, you know, just polka, 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 polka. No, it, Twin Lakes Polka, Damavuji Polka, aka Kiss Me Polka. Polka Twist. Well, these are songs. Yeah. Yeah, we... Some fairly big hits for us, you know, in the early 70s, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry, did you say you could help me? It just goes on for so long, because he's taken her out of the line yeah. to be like, hey, I, I think I can help you, and then... Just, like, tells his life story. Five minutes worth of his band stories. <laughs> and her response is just... It's so great. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. Mm. So, um... No, that, that was just a great little addition. Yeah. Just because you... You got to cut around to keep it keep it moving, and particularly during quiet points and stuff. Mm. Just you never lost its pace. Yeah, that's actually a good point. Like, yeah, having it, it just linger on Kevin is yeah, that might have got tiring. But by continually cutting back to his mother, like you know, trying it's it's a ticking clock element yeah. essentially. Like, where is she now? Where is she now? How is she getting back to him? What's she doing to get back there? Mm. Like, and then you 
once or twice cut back into uh, his dad and Uncle Frank and the rest of the family to kind of check the pulse, I guess, yeah, for like, lack of a better term. That's where they are. That's how everyone's feeling about the situation. Yes. This is where, you know, we've got the ticking clock of the mother trying to get back and then the kind of narrative threat yeah. of the burglars. And then you can go back and forth. Yeah, so it's kind of like three three stories being tracked in a way. Mm. And um, they just do a really good job of just editing and cutting nicely and, like, keeping it flowing really, really well. Yeah. For, I think this is Chris Columbus's second film as a director. Mm. Um, I'm going to quickly look that up because I have a feeling... I'm just going to go out on a limb here. I think he directed uh, Young Sherlock Holmes before this as his first kind of mm-hmm. film. Uh, but before that, he was primarily known as... Sorry, just check. Uh, no! Oh, I'm wrong. Damn. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, he directed Adventures in Babysitting. Never heard of it. Sounds oh, it's, it's on the list for sure. Okay. That's like a high-priority one. So, sorry, this is his third film as a director. But, okay. um, yeah, I was telling Eric, like, he's primarily known uh, where he got his start as was a screenwriter. Yep. He was a kind of go-to writer for Spielberg. He wrote Gremlins and The Goonies. And here it is. He wrote Young Sherlock Holmes. Uh-huh. That's where it's coming from. And for the listeners at home, he's gone on to do such big films as... Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, the first two Harry Potter films, uh, <laughs> Bicentennial Man. <laughs> Yeah, and anything with Robin Williams. Oh my god, he directed the movie version of Rent. Oh, okay. Uh, And then, unfortunately, he uh, his most recent film is Pixels with Adam Sandler. Oh, really? Yeah. Change of path. Yeah. I guess he needs some quick cash. I guess. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, it's an Adam Sandler movie. It's a quick, easy buck. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Anyway. Mm. But I guess the most important question is uh, what. So you enjoyed the film, I guess. I did, yeah. I had a really good time. And you, you'll probably be happy to hear this. I, I did quite enjoy Hook, as yep. you know. Like, I actually thought that was pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, this is better. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no. Okay, that, that's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, no, yeah, as a, as a... You know, we haven't watched that many kids' films. Yeah. Um, you know, they bridge, bridge gap pretty... But this was... Yeah, I, thought, I really enjoyed it still. And I think as a kid, mm. as we always go to... Um, yeah, I would have really liked it. Yeah. I think. Um, I wouldn't have picked up on how maybe how well written it was. I just would have enjoyed the whole thing. Just being along for the ride. Yeah, it just would have taken yeah. me for the ride. And mm. um, and then as I got older, I mean, like, you've sort of gone like, actually, some of this arc stuff's really good. Yeah, but I think it's because I hadn't seen the film in probably a decade. Mm, that exactly. I just remembered it being like, oh, yeah, it's just a kid alone and burglars, meh. But then... Yeah. Actually, rewatching you see, oh, there's nuance here. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of, and you go, okay, that's probably why one big reason why it's actually been carried on and stays popular. Like you said, Tom and Toby were keen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, they were they were right. No, well, uh, good to hear that uh, you enjoyed it. And yeah, yeah, it's an easy one. Of course, you would have dug it as a kid. Yes, definitely. Yeah. But uh, do you want to hear a little bit of trivia about it in terms of, uh, I guess, cultural impact and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the kind of splash that it made? Yeah. Uh, so it had a production budget of eighteen million dollars. Okay. And went on to gross four hundred and seventy-six point six million. Wow. Adjusted for inflation, that's nine hundred and twenty-two million. So return on investment was, was strong. Yep. It was the highest grossing film of nineteen ninety, uh, domestically. Was it? Yep. Wow. And uh, is currently ranked number forty-two in the all-time adjusted b- grossing box office. There you go. Yep. So it is, was 
massive, yeah, massive <laughs> hit. Yeah, off eighteen million because it's a small, simple film. Yeah, it's just a house, really. To then make, god damn, so yeah. much money. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was nominated for two Academy Awards, actually, as well, yep. for Best Original Score and uh, Best Original Song for Somewhere in My Memory, which uh, I guess plays over the end credits. But we should talk about the score very quickly, because... Yep. Uh, I dare I say it's one of John Williams's more iconic ones. Oh, uh, I didn't notice it that much. Really? Yeah. Okay. It just sounded like John Williams to me. Okay. Um, There's a very distinct kind of Christmassy yes. undertone to yeah. it. Um, it's more pushing over the Danny Elfman vibe. Okay, that's yeah, that's very. I can see that. <laughs> you for know sure. what I mean? But I, um, it must be then for someone of our like you know having grown up with the film, it just is kind of ingrained. Got, yeah, for me, it hasn't got ingrained yet, and I don't think it's one of those tracks. Um, that you, you hear out there so often, like, you know, like... Star- it's not the Indiana Jones or the no, Star Wars. No, Star- exactly. So yeah. it's not one that I would have picked up by um, just absorbing it through daily, day-to-day life. Yeah. Uh, well, on that note, the soundtrack uh, was nominated for a Grammy. Yeah. And uh, it was also nominated for two Golden Globes for Best Film, Comedy or Musical, and Best Actor for Comedy or Musical, Macaulay Culkin. Did he? Yeah. Oh, he didn't win, but no, he was just nominated. Yeah. still very... Yeah, Okay. And uh, I found this one shocking, actually. The film is not in the National Film Registry. I had to look that up because I... Top Gun is, but Home Alone is not. What? I find that kind of shocking that this isn't in there. Well, you're based on some of the others that have been. Like, some definitely... Yeah. Like, I I will say, like, one of my favourite films of all time is Rushmore by Wes Anderson. Yeah. That's in the National Film Registry. Is it really? It's a fantastic film. Yeah, but Home Alone's not... What were the criteria? Anyway. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just found that weird. <laughs> yes. Mm. Um, and probably got some alternate casting. Do I? Oh, <laughs> um, so, <laughs> apparently Robert De Niro turned down the role of Harry. <laughs> and oh, went wow. to his co-star Joe Pesci. Well, they're definitely going for scary. And uh, also considered for the role of Harry was uh, Danny DeVito. Oh, that would have been terrifying. <laughs> 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 uh, also, uh, Rowan Atkinson and Bob Hoskins. Rowan Ad- had Mr. Bean happened yet? Was yes. Billy- okay, so Blackadder and Mr. Bean were both out there. Yeah, and not necessarily the news and all of that stuff. No. Like, yeah, he. This is kind of right around the peak of Mr. Bean because yeah. that I was trying to remember when that. Yeah, but that would that be was right. that's like nineteen ninety ish area. Yeah, right and, right. and plus, he'd done his like stage shows and like his one man shows and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, Bob Hoskins. Yeah, that's a good good call. He yeah. All very sort of. It's kind of very post, um, you know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit era and all of that. Yeah, when he shown he could do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, the role of Marv was apparently written with Daniel Stern in mind. Uh, however, Michael Richards was also considered. Wow! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, so it's very distinctly going for a type of yeah, the long, the, like the tall, lanky. lanky yep. Yeah. Yeah, they, they they sort of want shorter and and angry. Yeah. I mean, tall and lanky, odd couple kind of thing. Hmm. Uh, I have a massive list for uh, who, who played, uh, who was considered for Kate, uh, the mother role. Yeah. Uh, I'll just pick some at random here. So we've got Sigourney Weaver, yeah. Diane Keaton, Holly Hunter, Glenn Close, Jamie Lee Curtis. Is this just like last time? Like, Oh yeah, it's literally every actor. Some of the, I'll try and find some weirder ones. Like Laura Dern, she's like 20 at this point. Yeah. 
Um, Bette Midler is kind of weird. I guess she made a good mum. Madonna? She's hot right now. <laughs> but again, it's like 20. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of weird. Uh, but then even like some age-appropriate ones, like Linda Carter, like former yes. Wonder Woman from TV. Like, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, and for the Peter McAllister, the father, we've got uh, Michael Douglas, Kevin Costner, Martin Sheen, Dan Aykroyd, John Travolta... What? Harrison Ford, Tom Hanks, uh, Tony Danza, <laughs> Steve Martin. Uh, my favourite one, though, is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh my. <laughs> was considered. I guess like, he was considered for everything yeah. at that time. Uh, and uh, apparently Chris Farley auditioned for the role of Santa Claus in that one scene. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, this would have been around the time of his like first season on Saturday Night Live, yeah, yeah. around that period. And the best one that I'm, I wish this had happened, but the guy who plays it is great. Yeah. Uncle Frank was apparently written for Kelsey Grammer. Oh, yeah, I could have seen that. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, again, they cast someone who is. That line, though, <laughs> is just delivered majestically. That's it. Like, that's why, like, no, don't change a thing. <laughs> he just he must have walked into the audition and just said it, and they got, yep, you like, got Like, here's it. your line. Oh, I got this. <laughs> oh, get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kelsey, who? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I guess, unless you got any final thoughts on Home Alone, that'll probably wrap us up for this yeah, I week. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's, it's a good solid one, and yeah. it happily holds up. Yeah, yeah, no, that was enjoyable. Mm. So it's uh, about that time when we pull out the hat, and Eric has a rummage, and pulls out what we're going to be doing for our next episode. Alright, so, next time, we don't have many left in here, we are watching Totally Different Speed. That's a change of pace. Yeah. Oh, 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 that was... Oh, my God, I didn't even realise the pun. <laughs> From what I understand, it's going to be pretty damn fast for the whole film. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely, definitely different. It's going to be a good one. Like, I should have said, like, earlier, it's, this show is really the Paxton, Candy, and yes. Keanu hour. It really is. We've had a lot of Keanu. Everything about the, these three guys. Mm. Um but this is this is the classic. I, I'm a big, big fan of this film, and it's just another one that just, just skimmed on by. Again, one of those classic '90s actions. So must have been going too fast for me. Mm. Cut that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah. that that that. Looking forward to that. It'll be good. Hmm. Um, yeah. Otherwise, uh, that'll wrap us up for this episode. Uh, We'd love to hear from you and uh, some of your thoughts on Home Alone or some of the other films that we've watched for uh, the podcast. Or if you'd like to suggest some of your childhood films and we will happily add them to the hat, uh, you can send us an email at haven'tseenpod at gmail.com. Other than that, we'll see you in a fortnight's time. Uh, For this episode, I'm Chris. I'm Eric. See you next time. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library.